ankylosaurs and heterodontuses. Grind thick vegetal matter in your dental batteries. Fantasize about the future of your fontanelles. And, oh my goodness, what a beautiful star in the sky. I never noticed that before. I wonder if it wants to be friends with me. Is it getting hot in here? It's time to talk tall to me. Welcome back. I am Omen Thomas Sage. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are the Feckless Moans. And this, my sweet little coprolites, is Talk Tell to Me. An interclavicle investigation on the Mesozoic Mountain of Prague Rock, in which Nipponosaurus Nick and Oleotitan Omen will use our sharp chompers to devour the tasty flesh of each and every track that Rostel Rock Band Jethro Tull have ever hatched out of their muddy nest. <laughs> we will chew the toughest of Cretaceous plants with our reinforced Jerry Conway coronoid process. We will probe the patillophyllum with our Dave Pegg palatine. And we will bop along with Martin Barr's basic cranium bone. And if we can avoid the apocalyptic volcanoes, dodge the rising tar pits, and manage the malignant meteors, perhaps we will uncover that rarest fossil of them all, the fibulal flute bone, the musical mandible, the rock and roll raptor, the Scottish seismosaur, Ian Airsack Anderson. <laughs> Were you into dinosaurs as a kid, Nick? Were you one of those dinosaur kids? I'm currently into dinosaurs. <laughs> I wasn't as a kid. I'm into I am dinosaurs into dinosaurs. As an adult. No, yeah. yeah. How dare you? I, I, yeah. Listen, we all have a dinosaur phase. It just doesn't necessarily come... I'm going to get into it in my 80s. I was a late bloomer. Yeah. That that yeah. That makes sense. What's your favorite dinosaur? I really like the one who's got the thick bony plate on its skull. Pachycephalosaurus. Sure is he also got a spiked tail? They don't. Okay, what am I thinking of? Are you thinking of the is it four-legged or two-legged? Four-legged. Oh, that's the Ankylosaurus. Yeah. I do like the Ankylosaurus, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's my favorite. It's yeah. just like that that could even have been an animal. It's very cool, yeah. It's mind-blowing to me. I'm also a big fan of the of the pterodactyls. <laughs> yeah, are you? I am. Nick, speaking of which, <laughs> what are we talking about this week on this year podcast entitled Talk Tall to Me? Well, it's it's only taken us 250 episodes, but we finally got there. We got to me dinosaur. Me, comma, dinosaur. One of the copious numbers of tracks off of the 40th anniversary Broadsword and the Beast, Steve Wilson remix, and dive we in, shall us now. Recommended. To our ears. Do you know what a coprolite is? I do know what a coprolite is, and I'll tell you why I know what a coprolite is. Because of animal crossing. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, petrified poo. Do they tell you that it's petrified poo in Animal Crossing? Yeah, Blathers the Owl does. He's the keeper of the museum. He tells you about all the artifacts you bring him. Yeah, I've seen it in passing. You've seen Coprolites? No, I've seen Blathers the Owl. Raven and Rook. You playing. are Blathers the Owl. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you like little vests just like he does. That is not a Coprolite. You're that right. Is, that it's is a, a Spirulio. A Spirioli. It's an Ammonite. Hey, yes, an Ammonite, yeah. That's a fossil, Ammonite. Wow, Nick. That was the most angst-ridden, back-of-the-garage, dank, grungy rock song about dinosaurs that I have ever heard. Yes. There's a lot of feelings in that song. There are. As many feelings as there are dinosaurs. Perhaps. That, wow. Nick, what are, you, what are your first impressions of that track? When I first heard it, the very, very first time, I was kind of disappointed Okay. Because I, w I wanted 
a song about dinosaurs to be just like perfect. Okay. I wanted it to be like this amazing, perfect, beautiful nugget. This song was never going to be, it was never going to adequately express your feelings about dinosaurs. Yes, correct. Right, right. That was my fault for going into it, expecting that. For having feelings. Yeah, for having any feelings at all. That being said, upon a few more listens, it's pretty rocking. It's pretty gosh darn good. It's literally rocking. Let's talk about the music. Well, what do you, what's your first impression? This Was this the first time? Well, no. You listened to it once no, yes. before? Or? No, this was my first time. Wow. Okay, yep. so, so what is that first impression? I mean, it is incredibly thick. It is not, I would say, for the general public. The thing that stuck out to me the most in the first minute or so was the bizarre melody and chord structure. It's very discordant. Mm. And as you go, I think that your ear, like a lot of Jethro Tull songs, as you go, the ear adapts to it a bit. It evolves for the sake of survival. Yeah, of course. And then as you get into it, the more kind of interpretable it becomes. But that first 30 seconds, I was like, what in the heck am I listening to? That synth, that Stranger Things synth that we just heard not too long ago? Yes. And then, let me just listen to the intro again. It's almost like it's a it's a phrase. It's moving down half steps. So it's going down a chromatic scale rather than like a like a a Western scale or even a pentatonic scale. I didn't realize it was going down. I just thought it was repetition. I'm pretty sure it's moving chromatically, like a chromatic dragon in Dungeons and Dragons, right? Which are kind of like dinosaurs. Full circle. Did there it is. Connection. There it is. Like a dinosaur eating its tail. Yes. Now I'm stretching. It's my dinosaur of many colors. And then we have Martin coming in. And it's slightly offset. There's a delay on it. And one side of the delay is in one ear and one side of the delay is in the Ooh. other. So it's going I find the intro of this song incredibly disorienting. Yeah. I really like it though. If of all the part, like I do like the song, but of all the parts that I do like, it's that first 30 seconds. It's just oh, really funny. cool. It's really, really cool. It feels like the, feels like the soundtrack, the backing track to like a Carl Sagan movie from like the late seventies. About dinosaurs, for instance. Maybe about dinosaurs. Did he ever do anything about dinosaurs? Probably not. He was an astrophysicist. Well, (laughs) the small details. Right. But yeah, it's, it's got that Delia Derbyshire, like weird synthy, like super raw and very new feel to the synth. It feels grungy, like actually like a grunge band in a way. Mm. Like a dark, pre-metal, like a noble gas band. That's pre-metal? Yeah. That's before the metals on the periodic yeah, table? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. It's not iron. It's, um... Neon. It's neon. It's a noble, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know if neon's a noble gas. Neon is one of the noble gases, I know that. Ah, nailed it. Noble gas. Your Majesty. When you came for Your electron. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this song. There is. There very much is. We have a nice count in from Ian. One, two, one, two, three. Rah, beep, rah, beep, rah, beep, rah, beep, 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 be
It is pretty horror-y, yeah. It's a little horror-y. It's disorienting. Mm-hmm. I could see it in a Friday the 13th. Definitely. Can give you a, a sensation. Yeah. With the shocking dissonance coming in with, with Martin mm. kind of in that early section. Right before, at about, I think it's 10 or 15. Oh, no, it's about 20. We get kind of a, a step into the rock. So we've got the synth. Yes. Yes. We get a little cymbal and then the bass kind of comes in and they're tinkling along. And then we get like the, the evolution of rock. And then at 30, that's when Martin's like, bow, bow. yes, yes. It does feel like, to put this in a dinosaur-ish context, it does feel like you have, what's the film? Is it Fantasia? Where you have, like, it starts out and it's just like, crust of the earth, fire, volcanoes, rain, wind, crazy stuff. And it's all classical, like, badass music. Yeah, and and it shows you that primordial soup. And then as it goes, you see, like, the little nublet of life start to form and eat other nublets and then yeah. something crawls out onto the land that sounds very fantasia to me i it's been a long time since i've seen it but that sounds very much like it would be which if it is that means that fantasia could not be shown in florida schools mm, evolution which is gay it's a, that gay evolution it's woke woke indoctrination of the sciences of science anyway yeah I love the symbol backbeat that you were referring to. And you're mm-hmm. right. There is that moment where we sort of transition. And that was the moment where I was kind of like, oh, okay, I can grab onto something with this song. It starts to become like just a little more familiar. Like there's just a glimpse of like, okay, yeah, no, I get it. I see where it's going. I feel like I've heard something like this before. I trust you now. To illuminate that with a little bit of time signature stuff. Please illuminate. Let's go out to hunt. Ian gives us the, ca- the time signature as he counts us in. Oh, one, yeah. One, two, three, four. Okay, we know it's in 4-4 four, four time. One, two, one, two, three, four. But then I doubted it in that first 30 seconds because I couldn't find that. F- I was like, 4-4, four, four, my bum. Yeah, did, did you think Ian was lying too? Do you think he was leading you specifically astray? Yes, as he often does. He had it out mm-hmm. for me in yep. 1981. He was like, that'll be a child born. In four years. In four years, he would look <laughs> oddly like Genghis Khan. <laughs> the Furies have told me so. It is fated. I think that it, the whole thing is in 4-4, and we get that once we get past that 30-second mark. But in that earlier section, I think that the rhythms that people are doing are overlaid on a 4-4 time signature, but don't necessarily give a shit about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a recommendation but they ultimately get to do what they want to do. Pretty much. Yeah. I think the synth is really the biggest culprit. The synth is all over the place. This whole song. Yes. I mean, even when we do pick up and get really rocking, the synth is always kind of there, ever present. Kind of lurks in the background a little bit at times, but it really, when it does decide to come back out, boy, it rears its head and it's it's there in full force. It rears its head and then it keeps rearing it and rearing it and rearing it. And you're like, my God, that synth has a very long neck. That's right. But a very tiny brain. Very tiny. Yeah. About 16 bits. And yeah, probably actually. And then at around roughly 220, the start of the kind of bridgey breakdown, there's a little part. The intro is just like, it gets really like subdued and the bass gets some like, just like two or three like blimpy blips in there. And it's really great in the background. And then they go back into the heavier again, but they pull it back for just a brief moment. Yeah, that's when we have the synth on a sort of a pipe setting, a pipe adjacent setting going. And then the bass. Yes, it's really fun. It starts to get a little bit more lighthearted. It's just taking a moment, taking a step back in time. When Ian is singing, all of his Mm. vocals are so serious. They're so 
powerful and filled with genuine dinosaur angst. And I love it. His voice is darn good in this. Darn, darn good. And it, like what really got me was literally the last thing he said when he goes, hey! I feel like he's done a hey before here and there, and it's been kind of like, hey, guys, let's go. He's done a hey or two, yeah. The hey in this one is very angry. It's like, hey, you asshole across the street. I just watched you punch a baby. That's not okay. <laughs> and also, Megalodon! <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, you asshole Megalodon across the street. It's amazing. I never, I never would have pegged Ian as a dinosaur enthusiast. Is there a name for you people? I mean, Saurophile? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think it's an official name, okay. but. Do you know? I can't tell you how I know this because it would reveal too much. I'm very intrigued. About people who I don't think would approve of me telling anyone this. But there is an entire division of romantic slash erotic writing. Oh, yeah. That is about dinosaurs. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sex with dinosaurs. Not like a couple of books, but an entire genre. Yeah. There's cryptid erotica. There's video game erotica. There's dinosaur erotica. Yeah. Yeah. If it exists. There's erotica. Someone has written an erotic novel about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what is that rule 43 or something of the internet is if it exists, there's porn about it. Probably, but I, yeah. you know, what I didn't realize is that there are subcategories. There are people who are like, yeah, we just think dinosaurs are hot. And then there are people who are like, yeah, but we really, you know, it's the plot that's really hot. <laughs> and, the, and like, don't, I don't want to read a, a dinosaur erotic novel unless it has some connection with real paleontology. And Jesus Christ, it better be accurate. It has to be accurate enough. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's a boner killer. That T-Rex better not be able to caress me with his tiny arms. He didn't take me in his arms. <laughs> <laughs> he reached out as if he wanted to take me in his arms, but obviously he couldn't. But they just waggled there. <laughs> like his giant dino dong. <laughs> Suddenly I wanted Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Whew, anyway, we have the pipes coming in. Kind of in that similar chromatic walk down way a little bit yeah that provides us a, no a lovely theme for the second half we have martin just jamming his way through this material in in a way that feels almost reckless like a herd of triceratops running to the closest body of water do herd they do god i love that movie it's been a long time who was the guy who who was that guy which i don't know who who says that in the original film. It's not Jeff Goldblum. It's the other male lead. Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Is that the character? Sam Neill was the actor. Uh, Alan. Oh, gosh. Alan Grant. Alan Grant. Yeah. When Katie and I went to Disney the other day, I was like, oh, do I want to wear this? Do I want to wear that? What is it that I want to wear? Let me make sure that I have sun covering and everything. And didn't realize that I was accidentally dressing up as that character. All you need is that little um, that little raptor claw. Like yeah. Little raptor claw, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they took it from me at the gate. <laughs> Those bastards. For the record, raptors are not that big, and dilophosaurs are not that small. And they don't have frills. At, at 2.03. <laughs> sorry, at 3.05, we have a fun little... Okay, we have something that almost sounds like a voice setting. We have... Da -da, ha, ba -ba, ha. The synth is getting its workout on this song, for sure. Even if they lost money on all of the other synth songs, they're earning it on this one. <laughs> Although it hasn't seen the light of day in, in 40 years, but still. This does have the PJV feeling. Yes. What could we do in a song about the most ancient thing in the world, use the most up-to-date technology. And it works. That's such an Ian thing to do, though. It really is. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Fossils! Programming the CMI radio fair light. Fossils! <laughs> yeah. You missed your calling. David Pegg is not walking the base. He is 
cantering and galloping the bass. He's dressaging the bass. He is dressaging the bass. He's fancy horse riding the bass. He's completely calm, but the bass is just prancing all around the, the enclosure, and it is delightful. He's often actually playing in unison with Martin, which is not an easy thing to do with how Martin plays. Yeah. He's doing all of those runs. It's really exciting. Then around the four-minute mark, there's almost this kind of old-fashioned rock and roll. synth comes in and it sounds like F-Zero, the game from Super Nintendo, the racing game. <laughs> yes. All synthy, yeah, neon. Yeah. And then we have a fade out, a long fade out. Classic fade out that we don't see terribly often. If I were to imagine, which I will, and I'm incapable of not doing, I would imagine that maybe they didn't really have a solid ending for it. Or maybe Steve Wilson was like, that ending is less preferable than just fading it out. Oh, interesting. I never thought about that. We have the question of what is Steve Wilson's hand in this? Yeah, that's interesting. You never think about like the music producer because generally it's been Ian, right? Like this whole time, like he's always had final say, but like giving these over to Steve Wilson is is really... Well, I'm sure he still had final say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think he was terribly hands-on. Like, now, Steve, I want you to do this, 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 and this, you know? That's probably correct. You know, there have been other producers involved. Robin Black? Robin Black is a regular one, yeah. Yeah, no, it is interesting. And it would have been interesting to hear kind of side-by-side, side, like when they when they show you the, the 16th century painting before it's restored and then after it's restored. And you're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I can't believe how amazing it looks in its original format. The engineer was Robin Black, engineer. produced by Ian Anderson and Paul Samuel Smith. Ah, oh, Sammy Smith. Sam Smith, yeah. The last thing I want I want to say is it's about four minutes and 45 seconds. It's been a while since we've had this long of a song, but it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like it drags on, even for only having like three little stanzas. Part of that is because the tempo is so fast. It's a pushing tempo, like it's a fast four. Yeah. Me, dinosaur! Here we are, halfway. This is the first episode that we're recording where I had the actual physical wherewithal to be here. No, the actual <laughs> physical <laughs> physical media of this Broadsword album. I got yeah. it on Saturday, so it was four days ago. And I hold in my hands mm. one of the vinyl. Mm-hmm. So there's the Broadsword remaster. There is, it's not, is it a disc of, well, you would just call it a vinyl? A vinyl disc? A vinyl. There is a vinyl of the Maison Rouge demos which is where Me Dinosaur comes from, DJ Dream, and Honest Girl. So this one, and then the next two that we'll be doing. Sure. But before that, we've also got a double disc set called The Double-Edged Sword. So cool. In which we have, among many others, we have Roland's Entry, Califel, Return to Califel, and The Swirling Pit, and Inverness Sleeper. So the ones that we've covered. You mentioned I'm, I'm just chomping at the bit. I'm chomping. I'm chomping an herbosaur <laughs> to hear about Ian's little blurbs that you mentioned that are associated with some of those tracks. Right. I'd be particularly interested in Roland's entry because that was one where the title of which we were pretty, we came up with some theories about with the, with the Roland synthesizer. And I'd be interested to know how wrong we were. Yeah, so we do have the gatefold here on this one because it has the two discs. And inside are blurbs from Ian and the crew for all of the songs on these two albums, as told to Martin Webb. I believe I've heard that name before. I think he's been kind of, if he's not a part of a magazine, he's been a documenter of a lot of tall stuff. So I'll read a couple now, and I'll read a couple next week, and then I'll finish up. The following week. Okay. So let's start with Roland's entry. 
I must admit, I have no recollection of recording this track at all. (laughs) The notes on the front of the tape box indicate that it was recorded around the same time as Too Many Too, but when I listened to it for the first time in nearly 40 years, I wasn't even sure who was playing on it. However, Martin Barr has assured me that it sounds like me on keyboards, so I guess it was a case of me playing with my new Roland Jupiter 4. Oh, And Jupiter 8 toys. My God. As to the original title of Intro Music to Album, it might have been a tape ops invention as a working title, but it sounds a fairly plausible suggestion. Somewhere along the line, we'd have been thinking, how do we kick this bunch of recordings off? Look at that. Wow. So, for once, our wild theory actually turned out to be exactly accurate. He was playing with a new Roland. That was 100% you. Yeah, absolutely. We all take credit for everything. Oh, the collective. Mm-hmm. The collective moms. Yes, yes, the collective. The shared. <laughs> we are the collective moms. You know those Greek fates where they, each, they share an eye between the three of them? Yeah. That's like us, except there's only two of us and it's a brain cell instead of an eye. That sounds right, yeah. yeah. It's my turn with the synapse. No. So yeah, but it sounds like they didn't name it Roland's Entry until they dusted it off and built it here right it was the intro where ian plays the roland the roland intro right yeah exactly it was kind of you can almost see the evolution of that name that's really 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 cool oh absolutely yeah so next we'll wrap up with i think we'll do califel and return to califel let's do and this is from martin to remind our fair Light CMI listeners. Our light CMI listeners. We deduce that Califel, in our interpretation, was a place in Spain on the on the, mm-hmm. the southeast coast, sort of down the road from Barcelona, and we thought maybe it was a vacation spot. Right. According to Martin, I don't think that this tune was written with a view to including it on the Broadsword of the Beast album. There was never a concept of me writing material specifically for Tull albums back then. This is a Martin piece. What? It was more a case of me writing instrumental music as and when I got the urge and inspiration to do it. And I happened to write this in 1981. But I remember rehearsing and then recording it with the band, so there might possibly have been an idea to incorporate the music into one of the songs. My role in those days was to write into the arrangements, do little passages of music that would then fit into a bigger piece of music. It obviously didn't get used on Broadsword, but we did incorporate one of the riffs into 1988's Part of the Machine. Oh yeah, that's right. We called that. We listened to it. We couldn't think of it. So I asked in Discord in Jupson within like an hour, was like, oh yeah, that's Part of the Machine. Oh wow, wow. Special thank you to Jupson. When Robin Black was still in the studio after everyone else had gone home, sometimes I would record something just with Robin. Hmm. Not very often, but certainly that would explain the Return to Califel acoustic version done some three weeks after the band version. Oh, that's Martin on acoustic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I might have been doing it just for myself to finish off an idea that I'd worked on at home. I'd always liked that piece of music, so I recorded it for my 2015 Back to Steel album. Hmm. I didn't have any reference back to the original track, but I remembered most of the music. Hopefully the latest version sounds slightly different, because I went somewhere else with it and it had a different feel to it. It was an idea, and some ideas die peacefully, and quite rightly, and others deserve to have some sort of recognition. 
In my mind, I decided that I'd like to make that one official and have it somewhere on record, excuse the pun, <laughs> as a piece of music that I enjoyed writing. The working title on the 1981 tape box was Martin's Quirky Instrumental, <laughs> so I named it Califel in 2015. When I was about eight years old, I went on a holiday to Spain with my mom, dad, and sister. Wow. That was in the days when you drove to Spain from England, which took a long time, obviously. The place where we stayed had no tourism there back then, and it was very basic and very Spanish. It made a big impression on me with its low-rise hotel almost on the beach. And yet I never remembered where it was other than being somewhere near Barcelona. Mm. Decades later, we were playing the Tulianos fan convention in Gava, which is an inland town a few miles from Barcelona. I went running along a beach at Calafel farther down the coast on a very hot day, and I passed a really run-down building which looked like a hostel or something, and it suddenly clicked. It was the hotel we'd stayed in on the family holiday. Oh, wow. I couldn't believe it. It just had that connection with my life, a private memory, so that's what I called the instrumental piece to memorialize it. Amazing. Amazing. So that awesome. makes so much sense that it's a Martin piece because it's so guitar heavy. It's got a certain guitar perspective. It's got a, mm. oh yes, let's go back to the kind of the roots of guitar. You, you feel that sense. I mean, we talked about it. You feel that sense of, I as an Englishman am inspired by the exotic lands of Spain. Right, yeah. In the same way that I as an American am inspired by the exotic lands of England. Of Spain. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. There's, it's Spanish paint on an English canvas done by an English painter. With an Italian brush. Yeah, why that's there, I don't know. He's having a German bear claw. <laughs> a German bear claw? Wearing Dutch pants. <laughs> Is bear claw German? Dein Klaus doing Bären. Omen. Oh! Omen. Nick. Me dinosaur. <laughs> you would be like a compsagnathus at best. I, what? <laughs> what? What sort of a dinosaur is that, Nick? What's your third favorite dinosaur also? Mm. But tell me what the thing that you said about me is. The compsagnathus is a little ornithopod, just a little guy, maybe the size of a dog. Okay. They hunt in packs and just overpower their, uh, yeah. their, their prey. I, I hunt in yeah. packs as well. You do, yeah. Third favorite dinosaur. Let's see, second favorite dinosaur. So it's Ankylosaurus, Pachycephalosaurus, and then Parasaurolophus is pretty cool. Okay, yeah. The one with the, the, the crest up the back on the, oh, the sure, top of the head sure, sure. that they, they think is the resounding horn. That's a grass-type dinosaur, I believe. Actually, I think they're water. Oh, okay. But really yeah. great against fighting-type dinosaurs. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, Very yeah. difficult to catch, though. Yes. A little Pokemon joke for you. <laughs> you know a lot. You know, I, you, Nick, this is the beautiful thing about our friendship. After all these years, you continue to surprise me. With what a nerd you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you knew that I was that into dinosaurs. I had no yeah. idea. You, you yeah. seemed like a fairly normal person to me. No, I, I've been trying to prove you wrong about that for a long time. <laughs> I was at the gym and the most recent... Jurassic Park movie came on, the one with Chris. Chris Pratt. There have been like three, though. Sure. One of them came on, and it just struck me what a bad film it was in comparison. Like, the special effects, amazing. The action sequences, amazing. The plot, the writing, non-existent. Yeah. Doesn't hold a candle to the, to the original ones. I think the second one was a bit of a doozy, but the... Third one made up for it. I think one and three were good. The original is is such a great piece, though. It's excellent. It's a masterpiece. It's so good. I cannot wait to show Rook that movie. And I love that this song was the soundtrack to that film. Yeah, 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 yeah. They found it in amber, and <laughs> they took his amber. musical DNA yes, out. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's how Steve Wilson works. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Kind of so, Nick, let's talk about the plot of this song. We've been talking a lot about dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we talked about it, we were talking about the title, Me, comma, Dinosaur. We were saying that it's me, the dinosaur, rather than my dinosaur. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the lyrics confirm that it is indeed the singer as dinosaur. Right, who is singing me, dinosaur. Yes, 
You hear me coming as those footsteps rumble loud. You hear me coming as those footsteps rumble loud. That's almost an exact shot from the original Jurassic Park film. Oh, sure. Yeah. Grotesque, ungodly, I stand out high above the crowd. Oh, I wear my armor like a uniform. Won't step aside. I won't give up my crown. Me dinosaur, and I won't lie down. Little, um, old aces die hard vibes. Hmm. Yeah. Sort of defiant ancient beastness. Yeah. It's funny thinking how this was 12 years into the run and already Ian's singing about being a dinosaur. And now 40 years later, we get to hear him actually singing about a dinosaur yeah. for the first time. It's very, it's very kind of time warpy, kind it's, of Ouroboros. A Mobius strip kind of thing. It's very strange. Musical paleontology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the science of paleontology is an interesting story in itself. Paleontology has only really been a branch of science since the mid-1800s. The discovery of dinosaur fossils and kind of a theory that put them together that wasn't just, well, they're dragons or they were put here by the devil to confuse us. <laughs> right, yeah. That was the mid-1800s. yeah. It's not a very old branch of science, and there were there were the dinosaur wars early on where people were yeah I, I don't remember, but there were you know scientists loved to hate each other. Yeah, it was two or three. Well, it, it was three technically, but one was a woman, so they never really talk about her. Right. There were a couple women paleontologists who discovered so sure. many fossils yeah. very early on. Of course, didn't get much credit for it, of course. Yeah, but it was James Othniel Marsh and one other guy that it was basically like. I want these bones. I want to be the one who who right, discovered right, them. Right, right. They sabotaged dig yes, sites yes. and stuff. They didn't care if they ruined the bones in the process. It was just, I want the credit for this. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. And every year there are new discoveries. Still, oh yeah. If you look at the list of dinosaurs, which I did in researching this episode, some of them are like, well, we just found it. Don't know anything about it. Right. We literally found it last year. Right. So I wonder what was the perception of dinosaurs in the early 80s. Because mm. now there's this whole thing of, you know, there's a move in paleontology at the moment to reconceptualize our drawings of dinosaurs. Yeah. To make them a little more fleshy, a little bit more friendly in a way. <laughs> because they're, you know, they have these bones and these protrusions. And for a long time, the thing was to draw them to make the image as, kind of scary and shocking as possible based on that bone structure. Yeah, right, right. But then if you take a the bone structure of a seal or a cat and give it the same treatment. They look terrifying. It's terrifying, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's partly because the science has gotten better and they're able to say, oh, wow, actually this part of the rock does represent the impression left by some fleshiness. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> when they reconstruct the, I hope they make me thin. <laughs> Anyway, so, you know, every decade, there's a different approach to paleontology. So I wonder what was current, what was the current theory of dinosaurs yeah. at this time? They probably still had them walking upright. You see, there's really old, like, claymation versions where the T-Rex the and the Allosaurus are basically up and down. They didn't have them kiltered over the keelbone like, like an actual bird would be. Sure. They just didn't know. Did I ever tell you... I think I might have told you about this. Did I ever tell you that the f the very first time like someone went to the Arctic or whatever and brought the body of of a walrus back? Oh, no. Like for for study for like they they brought it to the London Museum of History or whatever. They could only preserve it so well, so when the museum got it, they had no idea that it was like just kind of like a baggy flabby animal, so they stuffed it full so oh, there were no wrinkles right 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 <laughs> so it's just right, this right. massive Giant. round thing with tusks <laughs> like a kirby yeah exactly so i just did a little quick research and it turns out that the 
Alvarez theory or the theory of asteroid extinction or uh, mm-hmm. a mass extinction caused by an asteroid and, and kind of nuclear winter event, that was a theory that came out in the early 80s. Oh, interesting. Okay. And as we look at these lyrics, me, scaly beast from another time and place, some roaming asteroid nearly put me flat on my face. Me, scaly beast from another time and another place, some roaming asteroid nearly put me flat on my face. Ian's taking the most current theories about dinosaurs and whacking them into his song. Mm-hmm. No time for evolutions, no new high fashion deals. Don't wait around. I have no plans to be gone. Me dinosaur and I'm staying on. And on, and on, and on. No time for evolutions, new high fashion deals. Oh, don't wait around. I have no plans to be gone. Be dinosaur and I'm staying on. the different dinosaur periods, the Cretaceous, the Jurassic, and the Triassic. The Triassic. I'll try anything. I'll try any Assic once. There you go. <laughs> Those were marked by different dist- extinction events, I believe. They were not as massive as the one that fully killed them off, but there were kind of ebbs and flows. And very rarely did you see something so similar from one period to another. Right, right, right. The reptiles still kind of ruled the the land, but it's like early hominid versus us. Like they were a completely separate species. They did their thing and now we are doing what we're doing. I remember reading that the die-off at the end of the Cretaceous was actually caused by a dinosaur who, when they received their meal at a restaurant and the waiter said, enjoy your meal, the dinosaur said, you too, and then went extinct through embarrassment. Just died straight up that way. Yeah. Died of embarrassment. Yeah. The whole species. Yep. I've done that plenty of times. I've, I've gone extinct plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I move in measured gait and sure and stately style. Oh, it's almost iambic pentameter. Uh, <laughs> it's iambic, but it's dosometer. It's got 12 syllables. Do de- no, dodeca is 20. Unhurried elegance. I walk on a running mile. Yeah. Oh, what's all this fuss? Why all this need to change? Enough modifications undergone. I'm moving, it's interesting. It's about like, is it about a dinosaur refusing to evolve or expressing the will to survive or the will to evolve to ensure its survival? It's interesting. There's a lot of themes going on here. Yeah. And all of it, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but all of it to me sounds like a rock band who just picked up the synth and is trying to evolve. Also interesting. Yeah. There is a reference in a later album to dinosaurs, and what is it? Really? I feel like it's in .com. Oh, wow, that far. The dog-eared years. Rusted and ropey, dog-eared old copy, vintage and classic, or just plain Jurassic, all words to describe me. Rusted and ropey. Dog-eared old copy. Vintage and classic are just plain Jurassic, all words to describe me. Knew it was in there. Good call. Definitely a lot less dino-centric, but a good callback. I mean, and that's not a terribly uncommon phrase to refer to something as Jurassic in terms of being just straight up old and antiquated. I think that was maybe the first time that I had heard it. Mmm, okay. So it really... It really sunk in for you there. It did. It was life-changing. It's just a little. Interestingly, Me Dinosaur is the last set of lyrics in the book Silent Singing. Oh. Oh, that is interesting. It is because it is the bonus tracks. It is the most recent set of tracks. At the time. Of bonus tracks. Of publication. At the time. 
And it's alphabetical. Right. So. I do think that there's something there, Nick, that Ian has this perception of himself as resisting the forces of modernization, resisting the forces of fashion, of trends. At the same time, he is evolutionary. He's always looking at what's the new, let me get my hands on that new Roland. He's a contradiction, like all interesting people. Yeah, exactly. It's so fascinating. He's an iconoclast, but he's also an early adopter. But by the time he's done with something like the synth... It's cool. It's cool, exactly, yeah. By the time he finished with that Lyricon, everybody was playing the Lyricon. <laughs> he's an iconosaur. That was good. Thank you. And like you said, you know, he is expressing this thing of, I won't evolve, and expressing that on the most recent technology. I think that's the perfect way of summing up this song. And I like it. I would, I would rage drive. I would drive 20 miles over the speed limit to this song. So what's your excuse up until this point, having never heard this song? No, I, I always drive 20 miles over the speed limit. <laughs> so there's nothing special about this song at all. I would enjoy <laughs> driving 20 miles oh, okay. over the speed limit to this song. Right. Normally you hate listening to Taylor Swift while driving 20 miles over the speed limit. I do. This would do the same thing for me as when I'm in my Abart, flipped into sport mode, and I'm blasting down the highway, ripping my speakers out with a remix of Britney Spears' mid-2000s hits, I would equally happily blast me dinosaur. I'd, I'd equally happily blast me dinosaur. Ooh, that's, that's different. You got to pay extra for that one. <laughs> it's definitely got a different flavor. Yeah. And I can understand why it wasn't included. And what a fabulous track. What a treat that we get to listen to it. It really does feel like we've unearthed some new species of Jethro Tull. And it will live forever in the museum of my head. Perfect. Nick, what are we talking about next week? Next week is the penultimate of these broadsword bonuses already. Shocking. Shocking. We are on, it's, it's honest, honest girl. It's on, it's honest girl. Okay. Great. <laughs> uh, looking forward to listening to that. Until next week, I have no plans to be gone. I'm Omen Thomas Sade. I am grotesque and ungodly. I am Nick McGill. We are high above the crowd, the feckless moms. And this is the roaming asteroid that puts you flat on your face. Talk tell to me. Hey, Stygy. Welcome back to the watering hole. I haven't seen you here in what seems like half an eon. Oh, Orny, Orny, I have been so busy eating all of those really hard plants over on the other plane, the ones that are really oh, tough. You got to oh, chew sure, the hell out sure. of them. You know, you know, when yeah. we was coming up, it was all ginkgos and cycads and foins. There was no, there was none of this, none of these, these newfangled, deciduous, multi-seeded plants what they got newfangled going on now it seems like you got to eat a whole belly full of them to get a single calorie I, it's ridiculous and the worst part the worst part is those goddamn stegosaurus come in with their flashy plates all over the oh, place they think muscle in so... there their thagomizers on the end of those goddamn tails i got thagomized the other day did you oh, we got, did you? i got thagomized twice they don't even apologize because they don't speak a language that's true. And That's true. Neither do we. Those walnut brains do not have a cortex to process language. They truly are cold blooded. That's that is a fact. That is a fact. Did you hear what happened to Ichthyo? No. Adon of Ichthyo variety. Tell me. Tell me what happened. It's it can't be good. If you if you start it with this, it can't be he good. Done went extinct. I saw him just last week. I said, Hey, how you doing? He was like, you know what? No. The missus kicked me out. I got no bank account because I'm a dinosaur. 
And uh, I think I might just go extinct. And I said, no, man, you can't do that. And did he do it? He did it. The last thing I saw was a burble, a burble, a bubble in the top hits. You know, I, I do have to say manual voluntary extinction is very impressive. It's noble. I'm not going to say it's not noble. But I will miss him. I don't even remember who we're talking about. Wait a minute. I'm accessing this small little brain in the bo- in the base of my tail. I got it. Where is it? Where is it? Who is it? He is going to be missed. He will. He will. I mean, if if he had just evolved a little bit and came out onto the land, it would have been a little bit better. But I mean, look at the Spinosaur. They swim. They come out on land. They do both. Don't you think that we're too old to evolve though? Stiggy. Stiggy, Stiggy, I'm tired. Stiggy, they tell me evolution, this evolution, that. I know. I don't know if I got it in in me horns. <laughs> me dinosaur horns. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't blame you, but have you seen, I don't want to sound like bigoted. <laughs> I don't want to sound ignorant here, but have you seen there are mammals moving in on our turf? They're eating the seeds. I heard tell. I do not like it. You know, and for me, whether it's feathers or fur, if it ain't scales, I say, oh, hails, no. They will just continue to, we can't kick them out. But their breeding rates are so fast, they gestate like crazy. I've stepped on so many and they just never seem to lessen. I've been trying to lay the same egg for the last 30 years. (laughs) I incubated a block of basalt for three weeks. Yeah, I do have to say your cloaca is looking very chapped right now. I know. (laughs) And I can't even get into the mud pit because all the feather creatures are there. That's right. That's right. Dipping for worms. We'd never see a self-respecting dinosaur dipping for a worm. That is so true. Except for maybe the Struthia Mimus, your cousin. Have you seen him? I don't even want to talk to that magnolia eater. He pretends to have fur. Oh, my God. That's how sad it is. I know. It's sad. It's sad. Next thing, we're going to be grooming each other socially instead of just roaring our feelings. Oh, God. Please. You know, sometimes I am so sick of this world, I just wish that something would come and put an end to all of it. Yeah. Something like a just a big big slap on the face from the great dino hand in the sky. Yeah. Something hot, something rocky and mm, hot, like a, yeah, like a podcast. Ooh, that would end it. That would end it definitely. You know, if going extinct was as easy and pleasant as listening to the feckless moms, I would have gone extinct millennia ago. You know, they're a proud member of the feckless moms audio network, isn't it? You mean talk told to me? That's, yeah, they definitely are. 